Welcome to the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Due to the rate of unnecessary C-sections, the lack of support, and limited options for VBAC moms in the hospital, more and more women are choosing to have their VBAC babies at home. This podcast was created for women to share and listen to stories of home birth after cesarean. I'm your host, Rachel Garrett. Today we're chatting with Jen, and Jen is going to share her birth stories with us. So Jen, do you just want to start us off with an introduction? Yeah, of course. Um, So my husband and I live in North Texas with two amazing little guys, Raiden and Enzo. Um, We actually both work for the same business. He's in management, and he's an auto technician, and I handle marketing and social media for them. And then I actually just, I guess, kind of launched, kickstarted my own little thing doing uh, custom crystal jewelry and like amber necklaces for whether it's babies or adults. So I just got started on that too. And just trying to stay in the natural minded, holistic lane as much as possible when it comes to all areas of life. Yeah, I know we've chatted over Instagram off and on over the last, I don't know, couple months or so. We have, um, yeah. <laughs> And that's been fun too, just to, it's always fun to find people that you align with and kind of have the same ideas or mindsets and views about. So I've, I've definitely enjoyed that. Just when you bringing up like aligning with natural ways of doing things, natural health and all of that. 100%. I feel like we need like-minded people in our lives now more than ever. Yes, definitely. Especially given all of the craziness going on in the yes. world right now. <laughs> yep. But anyway, I mean that that could be a whole a whole other conversation. <laughs> so, um, why don't why don't you just take us to wherever you want to start with your motherhood journey? Okay. So, to be honest, my husband and I we weren't trying, but we weren't preventing. So we knew we were getting married. I got off the pill. We got married and not long after I found out I was pregnant. So we had, we we have a honeymoon baby. I got pregnant um, with my first on our honeymoon. And I mean, it was just such a surprise. We were, cause we weren't, like I said, we weren't trying, but we were both just completely overjoyed. I mean, it was a absolutely wonderful surprise and um, it all just kind of started from there. I mean, we started looking into all things baby and that's what kind of started. Well, it's, it is what started my dive into the more natural minded, clean, green living, you know, whatever people call it. So then after becoming pregnant, what were your plans for like where you wanted to have baby kind of what you wanted things to look like? To be honest, I really wasn't too educated. All I did was find a local OB and the office that I chose had numerous providers. So I kind of hopped from provider to provider to, I guess, meet each one because depending on which one was on call, that's who I would have had once I went into labor. And to be quite honest, I mean, there were red flags pretty early on things that I should have noticed like bedside manner and just how my main doctor handled situations and issues. It it definitely should have prompted 
I guess me asking, is this really who I want to deliver my baby with? I feel like as a first time mom, that can be hard to navigate just because you don't always know the right questions to ask or you don't exactly you don't necessarily know that there are options other than what's being presented to you or basically what your doctor is telling you that you need to do unless you've had exposure to that in some other way like you have a friend or a family member who maybe did things the unconventional way or had an out of house hospital birth whether it's at home or a birth center or something like that so i feel like that's a really common thing that i hear from a lot of women especially first-time moms yes like i mean i just kind of went with the flow because that's what i didn't know there was any other way right and i i mean it all comes back i think my story Um, like the key word is education, to be honest, like everything that happened has to do with education and lack thereof, at at least with my first one, I will say one of the biggest red flags with that pregnancy was, I want to say I was around 20 weeks. It was, it was not long after the anatomy scan. I had another ultrasound for some reason. Don't remember why. And the doctor comes in and she's like, well, did the, the, did the technician go over what she saw? And I'm thinking, no, like, why would anything be wrong? You know, I'm young, healthy, no, absolutely zero issues. And she was like, well, it looks like your baby might have down syndrome. And to a first time mom, especially being so, you know, I had denied the genetic blood testing because I was told it wasn't necessarily needed. And so I didn't do that. And it was just such a shock after I heard that I didn't hear anything else. And she really wasn't much help. And I call my husband and of course you, you take things as they come. And my first initial response was just breaking down and she wasn't comforting at all. And it was based on one marker that she found and once we went to the specialist, it w- he basically said that she worked me up for no reason. So wow. that was like really, yeah, that was really the biggest red flag, like how she just how she handled that situation. And stories like that always make me think, too, of how many times that type of thing happens, whether it's mm-hmm. markers for things like Down syndrome or something else where women yeah. are maybe told like, oh, your baby isn't compatible with life or isn't going to be viable past this per this certain point or yeah i mean whatever it is it, it causes so much unnecessary stress and anxiety during pregnancy oh yeah it sent me into i was spiraling after that point and you know that stress is definitely not great mm-hmm. and i know that now but i mean besides that the pregnancy was normal absolutely zero issues and to be honest, like a cesarean never even crossed my mind that I didn't even make a birth plan when it came to a cesarean because that just, I knew I wanted to try to go as natural as possible, but things happen, especially when education is lacking, like I said, but I did have prodromal labor for about a week leading up to it. And so it was kind of like that, well, is this it? Is it not? going to the hospital multiple times because we, we were first time parents. We didn't really know. And the office never really educated us on 
you know, this is dead set when you need to go in. There wasn't ever like a real conversation about when you need to go in, what does labor actually look like? We did like the normal birthing classes through the hospital, which now that I've taken a different class, I realize it's not a great class at all. But once labor actually, once contractions actually really started, I could not sleep. I want to say they started on a Friday. Yeah. They started on a Friday. I could not sleep that night. So I was up laboring and to be honest, by myself all night long, I had no support. And so by the time morning came and my husband got up, I was like, I think we need to go to the hospital. Like I am exhausted. I need to figure out what I can do. And so they did give me a shot of something. I have no idea what it was. They were like, go home. You should be able to sleep now. Um, You know, make sure you eat all of those things. Um, I did eat, but I was not able to sleep. And as time went on, things did continue to pick up and get more intense. But because we had gone to the hospital so many times before, I wanted to make sure it was, you know, the real deal before going back in again. And I did have someone that I was messaging back and forth with getting advice and she was trying to help because I, you know, first time moms, we don't know. And she suggested using my breast pump. And so I did that and boy, that stepped things up a notch. Um, So we actually headed to the hospital not long after using the breast pump. And I want to say we arrived at about nine o'clock and I was already six centimeters. And then against my better judgment, because I had been up for, I don't even know how long I hadn't slept Friday night. So quite a while now we're at Saturday night. I did opt to get an epidural and I slept. I think as soon as I got the epidural, I just knocked right out. And I honestly felt really funny. Like I felt lethargic right off the bat as soon as I got that epidural and not before I mean it wasn't very long I was nine centimeters and then Sunday morning things took a turn and according to I don't know if there was a shift change or what but I had regressed to seven centimeters And she notified my doctor and basically gave me an ultimatum. She said, you have two hours to progress or we're going to do a C-section. And I think I just shut down at that point because it took about an hour and I was just so tired that I was like, you know, let's go ahead and check and see. And if things have not progressed, let's just go ahead and do the C-section. And so I had not, I was still at seven. It wasn't long before I was in the operating room. Oh, and I will say my epidural wore off twice for some reason. Like I would wake up from being in a dead sleep to being in horrible, I mean, obviously contractions, feeling the contractions. And so that was like super weird and maybe one sign that told me that, I don't know, when that started happening, I just had a bad feeling. 
So they took, take me into the OR and that whole experience was just, I don't even know the word to describe it. Dehumanizing maybe the way that the doctor and nurses just like flopped my legs around the way I was treated. It was absolutely horrible. I kept telling my husband, like, I feel like I couldn't talk and I couldn't breathe. And I was like gasping at my husband saying, I cannot breathe. And he's telling the nurses, the anesthesiologist, the doctor, no one even acknowledged anything. And my husband was offered, you know, come on, dad, come do cut the cord, all this kind of stuff. He said, I'm sorry, but no, I'm staying next to my wife because y'all aren't doing anything for her, you you know, so he missed out on all of those things with our first, because he was more concerned about me. And after that, I really don't remember much of anything. It's like a complete blur, almost like I blacked out, but I was still awake. Um, I guess maybe from all of the drugs, I'm not really sure. I don't know if anyone else has experienced anything like that, but yeah, I mean, me- I, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt no, you. No, you're fine. I, you're fine. I was just going to say I experienced something similar with my son too. Like I I feel like I remember the experience through the couple of pictures that I have, but I yeah. don't have like the firsthand memory of everything yeah. that happened because it was all just such a blur. And it probably was. I mean, I was exhausted. I'm sure your body was exhausted and then you're right. All of the different drugs and medications that they give to you and just the hustle and bustle of everything. I feel like sometimes, like, I feel like that memory is gone because my brain is trying to protect me from everything that happened because it just wasn't, it's not a normal thing to experience. And so I, I, yeah, I almost feel like, at least for me personally, it's almost like this protective mechanism that my brain is just trying to block it out to protect me from it. That very well could be. That totally makes sense. But I mean, besides that, he latched immediately. I mean, he cluster fed the two nights that we were in the hospital, breastfeeding, never had any issues with. So I'm lucky there. Healing from the cesarean went fine. I never had any issues. But it wasn't long after his birth that the trauma kind of started to hit me and set in. And I guess the guilt replaying the situation over and over again in my head and reliving it, that feeling of like not mattering. Like I was the one giving birth, but I didn't matter to anyone in the room except for my husband. I guess that was kind of it just all, it, it still comes up sometimes. Thankfully, I've had a, an H back at this point, but I still get that feeling every now and then. But because of that, I guess I just started pouring everything I could into researching my options because I, I knew eventually we would want another baby. Um, so I started finding, I guess, you know, local groups, like-minded people, there's feedback groups for my area on Facebook. And so uh, one name really stood out more than others as far as uh, VBAC supportive midwives. And so I had her name in the back of my head. And at this time, it was just kind of talk, talking with my husband about it. And he was like, oh, heck no. 
you know, home birth is not even an option, you know, look at the risks. And I was like, well, you know, if you really look at the risks, there's, yeah, sure. There's a risk for having a baby at home, but there's also risks for repeat cesareans. Mm -hmm. So just giving him the information. And I think he started to, to realize that the trauma that I was dealing with, I never wanted to have another baby in the hospital or at least not voluntarily. And then fast forward to March of last year, 2020, before everything in the world started going crazy, we did decide to start trying. After lockdowns and everything happened, my husband kind of thought maybe we should hold off. You know, things are getting a little crazy. We don't know what's going to happen. And it wasn't like a week later, I got my positive test. Surprise. (laughs) So at that point, the first person I called, like my husband didn't even know, I called my midwife and cause she, she's the best in the area and she books up really, really fast. So I was like, I'm locking her in now. So got her handled and her, how she has it set up. It's like an all-inclusive package. So it came with her, a doula, the photographer, all of the supplies, everything. So we did that and it made life so much easier on, you know, in the end, not having to worry about all of the things. But my second pregnancy was definitely different. I was sick with a UTI for over a month and I felt absolutely horrible for a while. I didn't even know what was wrong. And then I, I took an at-home test, found out it was actually pretty bad and I did because I didn't have the normal symptoms. And then with my midwife, I just worked through past trauma from the cesarean. I read books, listened to podcasts, and of course, took better classes. I took the Bradley Method class, which was amazing just to actually learn what positions, actually having them make me get in the positions to learn what to do and how it should all feel when in those positions made a huge difference. I I think just all of the things together definitely helped me achieve my age back. It was just everything was in line. And with my personality type, I needed everything to be in line. So it worked out. Um, Trying to find the words to describe my labor and birth has been difficult. And the only reason I am able to piece together the sequence of events is because of the pictures that I have. I guess labor land is the only way to describe it. Yeah, your mind kind of goes somewhere else. You're not necessarily rationally thinking like you would be just sitting here talking. It's it's like a completely different mindset. Absolutely. I was zoned out. And I think I kind of prepared my birth team for that because I think one of the questions they asked was, "What? how are you like? What are you like when you're in pain? And I definitely zone out and get in my own, not vibe, but you know what I mean. I have to ask too. So your husband wasn't really on board with home birth in the beginning when you were first talking about it. Was there a certain point that he kind of changed his mind about everything? Um, I don't, I, to be honest, I don't know. I think he just kind of started going along with me because I was like, look, I'm, I'm the one that's pregnant. This is what it is. 
I told him this is the midwife I want. And that was it. I honestly really didn't give him a choice. (laughs) (laughs) And that's okay. I mean, yeah, you're right. You are the one who gives birth to the baby. You're the one who experiences all of that and needs to feel safe and protected wherever you choose to do that. So that's just always a question I I hear or I get from women is, well, my husband is kind of on the fence or he doesn't really know. And I think learning about it together can be it can be a really good thing to do because sometimes they need that education too. Absolutely. I, th- I think maybe one thing that made him realize that home birth was just as safe was that, you know, home birth versus a birthing center, the only difference is location. Mm -hmm. You know, she's going to have all the same instruments, all the same, everything. It's just, we're in the comfort of our own home versus going to some, you know, having to pack everything up, get in the car, drive to a different destination. And I think one of my other driving reasons behind having home birth was my oldest because in the midst of everything going on I didn't want to have to leave him with family and worry about the stress of that and worry because I think I would have been worried about him in the back of my mind and maybe not able to focus on giving birth and being in the right headspace for that is there anything in that pregnancy that was different or you can kind of talk about the prenatal care too that you had with your midwives versus what you had in the hospital yeah i mean completely different completely different we had i think it was one hour visits compared to i mean what do you get with an ob 10 15 minutes Mm -hmm. and you know she was the the main reason because she you know, we, we do, we try to do all the things when we're pregnant that we can. And one thing that is really difficult is at at the end of the day, the price of everything, everything adds up. And so, you know, I was doing chiropractic here, you know, my midwife is amazing and this whole package, not cheap. And she recommended a therapist for the birth trauma. And when I told her that it just wasn't an option, she, I think she kind of took responsibility and said, okay, well, I'm going to help you through this. And so she took that on. And I think it was the first three visits. We really just sat and talked from start to finish what exactly happened and not necessarily what went wrong, but what was lacking and that keyword education. Mm -hmm. So she was absolutely amazing. I mean, just informed consent, 100% which was a big thing for me, you know, I didn't have to do the horrible blue cola drink. You know, we did that a different way testing for that. So just being open, her being open to what I wanted and respecting my wishes the whole time was definitely what was different. It's just a whole other different type of support, especially when you say, your midwife kind of took on that role of mm-hmm. of like a therapist almost and talking through yep. all of those concerns and any past trauma and things like that with you. I mean, I can almost guarantee that's something that you would not get in an OB's office. And oh, so just no. having like the cohesive, holistic, all-encompassing 
care of someone who cares about you, not just as a patient, but as a mother and as a family and a mother baby unit and all of these things, it, it makes such a big difference in the outcomes that you see in the births and just how women feel after having their babies because you care about them as an entire person instead of just another number or another name on a list or, I mean, whatever other things a hospital views moms and babies as, you know? So I just, I love that you mentioned that because I think that that is such an important thing. Yeah. I mean, it was a night and day experience and just the whole birth team. Like I had, I think it was two meetings with my doula, my birth photographer even came over for a meeting. And then we had a, just a home birth. I think it was that 34, 36 weeks. I forget maybe four weeks before my due date and everyone got together. So that way everyone knew where everything was in the house. So it was truly like a team instead of just flying by the seat of their pants. They knew what they needed to do. They knew where everything was versus, you know, in, in the hospital, it was just chaos. And like whoever's working that day would be the one yes. to be there instead. Yeah, you're right. It is more of a team. Mm-hmm. So did your midwife work with this doula and photographer exclusively or did she have just like a couple in the area that were options for the package that you chose? I'm just curious because I haven't heard that yeah. before. So she had, I think it was four different companies, businesses, as far as doulas go. Um, So you could choose and each business had a freebie with it. Like, I think I got the placenta encapsulation free, did my birth class through uh, that same company. So I got a discount on that too. So that was also a driving factor. I wasn't sure if I was going to do the placenta encapsulation, but after research, I decided, hey, why not? Anything to prevent, you know, those those issues postpartum, I'll I'll do it. And then the photographer is the person she works with exclusively. So I mean, everyone knew each other, had worked together before, so it really was more seamless. So then take us to kind of where labor began and how that differed. Yeah. So it was actually super similar the day before what I call my death state guest date. I woke up to stronger contractions. These did get different, um, compared to what I had been experiencing in the last few weeks of pregnancy, because I had super strong Braxton Hicks. That's not something I experienced with my first and one after another, they came in waves all morning and I just decided to keep it to myself and go about my day as normal. That afternoon, my oldest Raiden and I went on a little walk and that definitely made contraction stronger. Uh, I actually had to stop and like focus and breathe through them. And by about two o'clock that day, they were coming regularly about 10 minutes apart. So at that point, I just reached out to my midwife and my doula to update them. And I was advised to have my husband come home because, you know, life is life. He wasn't actually able to come home until like three hours later. So one thing I regret doing is I'm like super ADHD. And once I realized that, oh my gosh, this, this could be it. 
I started cleaning, started going crazy, cleaning all over the place. And I wish I would have rested, but I did try to rest after some time. And after about two hours of trying to fall asleep, I decided to get up and cuddle with my oldest because I knew most likely that was probably going to be his last night as an only child. So we just hung out on the couch and he passed out right next to me cuddling, which was nice. Yeah, um, that's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, we need, we definitely needed that. I needed that one last, one last cuddle. Cause we had slept together. It was me and him for gosh, over two years. So it was, it was nice to have that one last time with him. Um, it wasn't long after that, that my doula came to offer some support since I had been up all day and I hadn't been able to rest. And I think it was just before midnight that that happened. It didn't take long for her to realize that we probably still had a little ways to go. So she tucked me in, said goodbye. And honestly, I still really wasn't able to rest very long. I decided to get up and take an Epsom salt bath and figured, you know, if this wasn't it, maybe it would slow things down. Or if it was, it would really speed things up. And then fast forward, I honestly don't know exact times still. My doula, Nicole, called not long after my bath to listen in on how I was doing. And it was during that call that she decided to head back over. When she did get there, she noticed that I had completely changed. And so she sounded the alarm and everyone started to head over. My whole birth team was at my house at around four, I think. My midwife, Terry, did her normal checks and her birth assistant, Laura, um, was helping it as well. Lauren, my photographer, started working as soon as she came to the door shooting pictures. And so I labored and labored some more. I walked, I squatted, bounced, did all of the things. I know there were conversations because there's pictures of like, it looks like something serious was being talked about in a picture with my midwife, but I have no idea what in the world we were talking about. (laughs) So, I mean, some conversation was had, but what it was about, I have no idea. It had also been a while since I had eaten anything. So I opted for um, a banana to try to get something down for some energy. And that definitely did not sit well, if you know what I mean. So I was basically spoon fed honey the rest of the time just to get something in me. And we started talking about chiropractic care just to ensure optimal positioning for baby. And my midwife reached out to a local chiropractor in hopes that she would see me. And Dr. Lacey and her son actually made a morning visit, home visit, and I got adjusted I had been adjusted throughout my whole pregnancy, but being adjusted during labor is definitely different. And without a doubt, I felt changes after the adjustment. Things definitely ramped up. I would get into positions and almost get stuck. Like I would get comfortable and used to one position. So they were, you know, switching it up was getting to be a little bit hard, but obviously getting into different positions definitely was helpful. And at this point, the exhaustion was definitely setting in from being up all night. But one 
big difference was that I had support this time around. And so I felt supported and I pushed through it and it definitely helped. So this late morning, I think this was, or mid afternoon sometime, my husband and I went and had some cuddle time for nipple stimulation. And I think we spent about an hour doing that. And that was intense, incredibly intense. And it, I mean, contractions grew stronger and stronger. And at this point, that's when my body, I felt like my body was trying to push on its own and I could not control myself. I was in need of serious comfort at this point. And so I did get in, into the birthing tub at this point. I think I was in there for about two hours and it was, it was hard. It was definitely difficult because my body was trying to push, but I, I knew that it, it wasn't time yet. And so it was like, it was a super, super strange feeling. I still remember the feeling like trying to push, but it was like something was in the way, which it really was. Something was in the way, but I got out of the tub. We made the decision to have a cervical check. My waters, they were bulging and I still had a cervical lip. So we did decide to break my waters just in an effort to help that last little bit to move past his head. And as soon as I said yes to that, I knew that things were going to ramp up even more. And so I continued to labor and try to breathe through the urges, but it was definitely easier said than done. Time laboring passed with no progress. Another cervical check was done. I still had that little lip. And Terry made the suggestion to manually push the cervical lip past his head. I honestly didn't even think twice about it. And I agreed to that. So she, while she manually pushed the cervical lip back, I pushed to help move his head past it. And it really wasn't long and his head popped through. So it was go time after that. And I pushed for about an hour and my husband sat behind me, which was again, comparing to my cesarean was so different, like just to have him there and have his support in a different setting because I had his support during the cesarean, but this was, I don't, it was just a different feeling. Were you in the pool or did you stay out of the pool? I stayed out at this point. It was like, I couldn't, it could have been just a mixture of everything. I was so tired. I felt like I couldn't move. So we just hung out on the bed, but I pushed in a few different positions and the ring of fire definitely felt that. I remember that sensation well, and his head came out and all of a sudden I just remember being told flip and I'm like, what? Okay. So I'm, I was leaning up against him and then I needed to flip over onto my hands and knees and I flipped and within a matter of, of seconds, my 10 pound baby was there. What um, was the reason that they had you flip? Were they worried about a dystocia or something like that? Yes. Yeah. He, his head popped out and then that was it. He got stuck. So she had me flip and did some kind of maneuver. I don't know what she did, but he ended up 
coming, sliding right out. And it was uh, so crazy because as soon as he was there, all of those sensations were gone. Like it was almost like you couldn't feel anything. I even asked, I was like, did I tear? I can't feel anything down there. Um, but just like that, all of the sensations I had felt were gone. I got to hold my baby and, you know, didn't have to let him go. Huge difference from my cesarean. I got to experience the amazing golden hour that everyone talks about. It was magical to just sit back with him on my chest, nurse, nursing, um, nourish myself finally. And have honestly girl time. We chatted the whole time. I did have a second degree tear. So, uh, my midwife handled that and we sat around and talked and I ate and the pictures were just amazing. That was something that I didn't really have with my first. And so getting to see just that golden hour, I think I remember my photographer asking what what is most important? What do you want me to capture? And I definitely said golden hour because I didn't really have those amazing, beautiful pictures with my first and seeing my husband and my oldest and just having pictures as a family that we can look back on now is something that is absolutely priceless. Was your older son there throughout the birth or where was he? He was. So him and my husband, my husband and my doula kind of switched off sitting with him and hanging out with him. He did come in while I was in the birth birthing tub and he was like, I want to get in. And (laughs) cute. (laughs) yeah, it was, it was super, super cute. He was very concerned because obviously with birth, you never know what sounds are going to be coming out. And there were some sounds that were probably concerning. And so he was concerned about his mama and he saw a big tub and was like, Ooh, that looks fun. (laughs) It's like a big bathtub. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So he was super interested in that. And then while my husband and I had our alone time earlier in the day, all of the ladies took care of him and hung out with him and once it came time to start pushing and my husband came in, my doula was with him because he took to her like nothing. Like he loved her right off the bat. So he had a little friend to hang out with when, when my husband was offering his support. That's so great. And what a great experience for him to get to be a part of too. I mean, even being yes. so young, that that's something that his body will remember, that his subconscious will remember, so that as he gets older, if his partner and him one day have a baby, that's something that he can look back on, whether consciously or subconsciously, and it can just be a normal thing for him instead of this, like, scary unknown that so many people grow up thinking birth is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, in the end, was it easy? No, but my, my whole birth team and I, we worked together and we made decisions and I was included in those decisions and they never gave up on me. They never let me give up on myself. And I truly believe that is why I got my age back. Do you remember anything about the birth of the placenta? 
Um, I remember feeling, you know, some cramps, but nothing, it wasn't crazy or anything. I remember feeling some cramps and then it was like, it was a super weird sensation. It kind of just like slid out almost like a slimy thing slid out. And you were probably thinking about other things at that point too. I mean, you're holding your baby obviously and soaking up that that first hour with them. So I'm sure your mind wasn't thinking like, okay, now I have to get the placenta out. (laughs) Yes. It's it's just one of those things sometimes that if you haven't experienced it before, you kind of forget that the placenta comes after the baby. So oftentimes it's, it's kind of an afterthought like, oh, okay, yeah, I have to do this now. It definitely was an afterthought because I remember them talking about it like, okay, now we got to wait for, for the placenta. I was like, oh yeah, that thing. And then I, I remember my midwife saying that it was really large and it wasn't until um, my doula did the placenta encapsulation. She said that she got as many pills as a twin placenta. Apparently it was huge. (laughs) That's awesome. That's really cool. So then how, how did that extended postpartum time, like the next couple days, weeks, months compare to after you had your first? The way things happened, it actually worked out really, really well. My husband had more time off because my son was born on December 19th. So it was right, it was right around the holidays. So I was literally able to lay in bed for the first week. I honestly did not do much. My husband and oldest took care of everything. And that was exactly what my midwife wanted. She said, I think it was a week in bed, a week near the bed and a week in the house. So I really adhered to those rules and I could tell when I did too much I you know you you know when you when you do too much you know your body and so I just really took it easy and I knew that I needed to take it easy compared to with my first no one tells you that I wasn't told that and so I mean I was up vacuuming and cleaning and, you know, trying to take care of the house as much as possible because, uh, my husband didn't have as much time off with my first. So there was definitely a huge difference in postpartum care and my midwife, you know, truly caring about my mental health and making sure that I wasn't showing signs of postpartum depression. And if I was making sure I was getting the help that I needed, and just having the education to bond with baby and, you know, let babies, you know, do skin to skin as much as possible. My midwife said, you know, you don't wear a top for the first three or four days and you sleep with baby right on you mm-hmm. to help encourage the milk and all of that. You, you know, you don't get with that kind of advice from an OB. No. And if you slept with your baby on you in the hospital, they would come in and yell at you. <laughs> Yes. Which is not the way that it should be. Should be. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, just all around, it was an amazing experience postpartum, especially those first three weeks, just getting to soak up, you know, all of those newborn baby snuggles. 
did your midwife do some postpartum visits then too, or did the doula? Yeah, both of them did. So my midwife came, I think it was like two or three days after he was born. My midwife was, or my doula was there within that first week with the um, placenta pills. And then I also had a, I think it was a two week follow-up and then a, the normal six week follow-up. So there was definitely more appointments, more, more time discussing things and what happened. And my midwife even talked about, I I think, how did she word the question? So how do you feel about how your birth went? And, you know, like I told you, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't, you know, it was hard, but you know, we worked together and made it happen. And that's all I could have asked for. So she, you know, truly caring about the, the mental state of me and making sure that baby was okay. It was just all encompassing versus, you know, I think like you said earlier, just being a number. And I think having that question posed to you, like how, how do you feel your birth went and just having Mm -hmm. the opportunity to speak to that and be able to like, let it all out of your head. I mean, that's not, again, not something that you would get in an OB's office. And I know that that's something that is really therapeutic for a lot of moms, especially if they had a more traumatic birth or even if it was just a couple of things that happened that maybe they didn't like or didn't go their way. Getting it out, whether it's writing it out or talking to someone about it can really help with processing through all of that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, nothing major really happened. I mean, some of some of the things were unexpected for sure. So getting to talk through all of that was amazing. You know, nothing traumatic happened, but still just being able to talk about it was, was nice. Right. I mean, even if you have the birth of your dreams and everything went perfectly, it's still a lot to process. I mean, it's a major life event, even if it's all rainbows and butterflies and it's all perfect it's still, your mind still has to be able to wrap itself around all of that and adjust to, okay, now you have a baby or now you have a baby and a toddler. And that's just a whole new chapter of life to get accustomed to. Yeah. And I mean, midwifery care versus traditional OB. I mean, you definitely get more of that caring about the whole family aspect. Mm So huge difference. So for any women that are kind of on the fence, whether they're trying to decide if they want to have a home birth or if they want to go to the hospital to VBAC, or maybe they're even considering a repeat C-section for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. is there anything that you learned on your journey or any advice that you would want to give? I think the main thing that stands out, and I've said the word quite a few times, is education I think education is severely lacking when it comes to prenatal care in the mainstream world. We have to start doing a better job at getting the information out to expecting mamas about their options, whether they're a first time mom or they've had four, five, six kids. They need to know that they have a voice and that that they have options because it is their body. They can say no and decline anything and everything. If they don't want it, they have the right to ask questions and not just follow along with what their provider is saying, because 
how I turned out as a mother is not what I ever expected. Never in a million years did I think that I would be a natural-minded, attachment parenting mama, and here we are. It's crazy. Um, I'm breaking generational patterns to ensure that my babies have the best childhood possible, and it isn't always easy, but it's so worth it, and I think that's one thing that I'm trying to focus on now that being in the mindset that I am, it's not easy right now. And making those choices, it's not always easy, but it is so worth it. Definitely. I can really relate to that too, because I, I never pictured myself as the mom that I am now. I mean, before we got pregnant, some of the things that I said, I don't even want to say on this podcast, but yes, (laughs) I'm just, it, I look at the last even like two, three, four years, however long it's been. And I can't believe some of the changes that I've seen in myself, but then the changes that I've seen in my husband and in my close friends or my family, just because of the way that we have done certain things. Mm-hmm. So even talking about, like, I completely agree with the the generational thing, but also it changes the people around you too, when they can see that there's another way of doing things or when they see you stand up for what you believe in or stand up for your children, it, I think that that has more influence than we often think it does on the people around us. Absolutely. And people, women need to stop worrying about what everyone else is going to think. If they're going to be judged, if you want to have a home birth, if you want to have a repeat C-section, ultimately it's, it comes down to informed consent for me. And everyone's going to make a different decision based on their own individual things at play, the factors at play or what they feel most comfortable with. And that's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. What works for me may not work for someone else. And that, you know, that's the way the world works. Well, thank you for being willing to share your birth stories and just everything that you've learned along the way. Thank you. I've been so excited to do this. So I'm finally, I'm, I'm glad we finally got to chat. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Home Birth After Cesarean podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If you're interested in sharing your home birth after cesarean story, send us an email at hbacpodcast at gmail.com. See you next week.